Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Longcat Media presents The Betty Tapes. Episode 1. Time, 3.25 p.m. Date, 19th of November, 1992. Place, the former smoking rooms of Mockery Manor. Now, the private investigation office of one Betty Armstrong. That's me. (laughs) This is tape one, case number zero. I don't have a case. I just wanted to try out my new dictaphone. It's bloody gorgeous. So sleek. Top end with lots of features like uh, rewind and stop and record. And uh, oh, it came with a lovely little case. Uh, where do you want the filing cabinet? Oh, uh, next to the French windows, please. And uh, what about the desk? Uh, facing the door. So I'm the first thing the client sees when they come in, silhouetted against the light from the window. Toothpick in my mouth, glass of whiskey in my hand. As you may have noticed, my new office is being delivered today. Much to Margot's chagrin, I've bought all new gear from the Argos catalogue. As I told her repeatedly, if I want clients to take me seriously, I have to look the part. Margot was like, but why do you need new furniture? The manor has plenty of fine desks and chairs and cabinets you can use. As if I want an office full of haunted mahogany. No thanks. Just write the checks, Margot, and leave the fine details to me. Pinball machine? Opposite the TV. Thanks, guys. I do wish Margot would stop questioning every decision I make. I thought she'd just give me the money and leave me alone, but she's been breathing down my neck ever since she agreed to invest in my new business. I thought she'd relax when I told her about my comprehensive business plan. No! Do you want to know my plan? (laughs) Here's my plan. One, set up the office so it looks bloody gorge. Done. Two, get loads of clients. Three, Pay all the money back to Margot within two years, as per our deal, to avoid a bleak future of indentured servitude to Mockery Manor. Four. Was there a four? I don't think there's a four. So, there it is. My plan. Oh, I can't wait for my first case. I could barely sleep last night for picturing it. Rooftop chases, lies, heartbreak, corruption. Forget it, Betty, it's Chinatown. And when I'm old and grey... 40, 45, I shall dig out all my old tapes and relive the glory days of Betty Armstrong, private investigator. I should turn my adventures into a novel. Or a movie. (gasps) Yes. Who would play me? Meatloaf. What? Framed poster of Meatloaf. Where do you want it? Oh, um... uh, Yes, where should it go? Ah, see that massive portrait of Alfred Mockery over the fireplace? Get rid of that. What, take it down? Take it down, put Meatloaf up. (sighs) Oh, bloody hell, this thing's taller than me. Oh, be careful. 
On the other end, Gav. I can't hold it. Gav, you're going to drop it. Ah! Oh, Jesus Christ. Time. 3.46 p.m. Same date. Place? The kitchen's Mockery Manor. I thought I'd go somewhere a bit quieter. Make myself a cup of coffee. Mmm. Black nectar. I drink coffee now. I think my time on the continent gave me a taste for the dark stuff. Back when I was interrailing with JJ, sometimes the only thing we could afford was a stale pastry and a strong cup of joe. And it changed me. No boring old tea for me anymore. No way, Jose. Nescafe gold with four sugars, please. And a Garibaldi biscuit. Don't mind if I do. Mmm. Mmm. So, deal with Margot. I'm not worried about it. Why would I be? I've crunched the figures and I can definitely pay Margot back within two years. Within a few weeks if I get a big case. So, basically, a couple of months back, at Jenkins Wake, no less, JJ and I were eating salmon roulade and hiding in a corner of the library. We were trying to avoid talking to any of the weird old crusties who'd come for the funeral. Gangsters, no doubt. Anyway, we were minding our own business when Margot comes over in full black veil and black gloves. She starts giving us a speech about how the family had to pull together from now on. How important it was that JJ and I learned how to run the park. I knew she wanted JJ to help out, but me? <laughs> I was stunned into silence. Mm. Meanwhile, JJ is nodding and saying how much she's looking forward to becoming an integral part of mockery. Mm. And Margot is beaming behind her veil, and I'm frozen with horror, salmon roulade halfway to my lips. Finally, I mustered the ability to speak, and I said, in a very loud voice, but very politely, very professionally, Margot, I have assessed my strengths and weaknesses, and arrived at the conclusion that I would rather eat my own bumhole than work for mockery, and instead I'm going to become a detective. Well, Margot went white. She thought I meant I was joining the police. Margot doesn't want the popo anywhere near mockery. Understandable, really, given everything that's happened with Jenkins and Wizard and Norton and Matty and Bedanko and the stolen Vermeer and... Maybe I shouldn't be talking about that on record. Uh, how do I rewind this? There. Erased. I hope. So, uh, what was I saying before I started incriminating all of us? Oh, yes. So, I said to Margot, God, no, I'm not joining the pigs. Are you joking? That's worse than working for mockery. No, I want to be a private detective, a P.I. Margot was so relieved that she offered to help set me up with everything I need. And I mean everything. Rooms in the manor, utilities, a car, a long lens camera. I think Margot's so pleased I've found my vocation that she's more than happy to help me out. As long as I pay her back in two years' time. That's the deadline. Midnight, November the 19th, 1994. Not a moment later. If I can't get to the money by then, I've agreed to work at Mockery until the debt is paid off. Oh, God. Maybe I should have got a second-hand car. Not a brand-new Mini with a custom paint job. Oh, I think I've drunk too much coffee. My eyeballs are vibrating. I'd need a lie-down. Time. 11.30pm. Date. 24th of May, 1993. Place? My bed. Yes, it's been a while. Six months. But I decided not to record anything more until I got a case. Well, now I have a case. It's called 
the case of the missing cases. Because I have no case. There are no cases to be had. None. So no, six months have elapsed and I still have no case. Oops. Must be quiet. Freddy's asleep next door. We've been spending a lot of lovely time together, me and Freddy. Every day. All day. Because apparently no one needs a private detective. Or if they do, they're not coming to me, that's for sure. Last week I was so desperate I saw a missing cat poster and decided to find it. Just for the practice. And because there was a ten pound reward. Oh God, ten measly pounds. Anyway, guess what? I found the cat. Oh, I thought I did. It turns out most cats are identical and impossible to tell apart. Unless you're the owner of said missing cat, who was very much of the opinion that that's not my Wilfred, that's some mangy stray. So I took the cat back to where I found it. The bin's behind the local Chinese takeaway. There was a half-full chow mein on the ground. I thought he'd be straight into it and I could sneak off. But he just stood there, looking at me with his crusty, gummy eyes. So now I have a cat. Yes, yes, all right, meat. I'm glad you're here, really. Although I feel like I should have a dog for sniffing clues and biting perps and such like. And your eye ointment is going on the bill. Do you realise that? And your food. And that lovely little tartan collar. You, meat, are adding to the debt I owe Margot. Oh, God. I need a case. I need to be clever. I need to look at my contacts. People I know. My network. Who's likely to need a PI? And who has plenty of cash? Time? 10.16am. Date? 12th of June, 1993. Place? Oh, I can't even say it. can't believe I'm here again. Come on, Betty. Place? St. Candida's School for Young Ladies. Oh, God, what am I doing? It's not too late. I can turn around, drive away, pretend I was never here. I can do that. They can't keep me here, not this time. Which is precisely why I should stay. Come on, girl. Press the damn buzzer. Hello, Porter's office. Hello, Mr. Peters. It's Betty Armstrong. Remember me? Probably best if you don't, actually. I've got an appointment at... Oh, whoops. Ten o'clock. With who? Binty. Oh, sorry, I mean Miss Barclay Hunt. Equine mistress. Stable woman? Oh, I don't know what you call her. Posh gym teacher. Drive through, park in the staff car park. Thank you, Mr. Peters. And don't worry. I'll try not to burn the school down this time. The Betty Tapes is a Mockery Manor miniseries starring Hayley Evanett as Betty with additional voices by Lawrence Owen. Written by Lindsay Sharman, directed by Lindsay Sharman and Lawrence Owen, and edited by Lawrence Owen and Maddie Searle. See you next week for episode two. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. What's this all about? What about nightmares? We need to leave. What are you doing? They can't tear out your soul anymore, Stuart. Ominous Thrill, a new audio fiction anthology. I've done horrible things. Tell them what you did. I, I didn't do anything. Tell me. No! Character-driven tales of obsession. I'm no psycho. Banging on my door and streaming it on the internet. Revenge. Don't mind if 
Those lights go out, do you? The unexplained. Don't leave me out here. We can't help her? <laughs> We're leaving. No! I need the light. You want me to fall down the stairs? No. I want to push you. I love you so fucking much. Ominous Thrill. Available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere. Flesh splits open. Oh, yes. Thrill you later.